Hello and welcome to the CAPE podcast, CAPE standing for the Child Abuse Prevention and Education Podcast. My name is Christy McVie and I am an ex-West Australian police officer who spent 10 years with the police where I was trained as a specialist child interviewer and a child abuse detective. This podcast is all about sharing what I learned, saw and knew whilst investigating child sexual abuse in the police force. It is also about sharing the knowledge that I gained in that time that helped me with my own parenting of my then two-year-old daughter. My mission is to help share my knowledge and to help you in your role as parents to keep your kids safe along with guest experts in the field of child abuse prevention and education, both in person and online. Thank you so much for joining in on the fight to prevent child sexual abuse. Your kids will thank you for it. Hello and welcome to the Operation Cape Cope podcast. <laughs> I am going to change the name to the Cape podcast, the Child Abuse Prevention and Education podcast, because I don't know why I figured that I needed the operation at the front of it, maybe because of my book, Operation Kids Safe. But I think I'm going to change it. What is? What are your thoughts? Please get back to me about that one. This week, we're going to just be talking with me uh, about some of the stuff that's been happening the last few weeks because it's been a hectic couple of weeks for me. I've been on Sunrise talking about Stranger Danger. I went to Darwin um, as a keynote speaker and talked to the Australian, uh, the Australian Child, sorry, the Australian College of Child and Young People's Nurses, um, and I spoke to them about child sexual abuse and about online child exploitation. I did my first. Uh, how to prevent your child from being groomed workshop and I've got a, another workshop coming up this week which is on Tuesday which is device know-how so I'm, I, I'm a little bit run off my feet with all of this stuff but I'm really happy that in every instance there's a little bit more information getting out there but I'll start back with sunrise so uh, about two, three weeks ago, Sunrise contacted me for another interview. They wanted to talk about stranger danger because there's been an increase in attempted abductions and kidnappings with children. Now, I just want to remind people that over 90% of all child sexual abuse and all, all abuse is by someone known to the child. So although we've got an increase in abductions at the moment, um, it doesn't deter from the statistics that you know your child is more likely to be home, harmed by someone known to them or in your own home so we need to keep that in in perspective but we definitely uh, need to have those stranger danger talks with our kids but there is some ways that we can do it because um, you know for any of us 80 babies that are listening or any of us that had those old stranger danger talks you know men in a white van and you know some you know don't take lollies from strangers and all of those things if you were one of them like me um then you're going to remember how shit scared we were about everyone so there is the the thing we need to remember is is that it's not the person that we're actually looking out for or we should be teaching our children to look out for because there is no one person or one you know, you can't identify someone who wants to harm your child. They're not like they don't look like a certain way or they don't have a certain clothes they wear or a certain smell. They're everywhere. We need to identify tricky behaviours or, you know, inappropriate behaviours or weird behaviours. And by teaching our children that, we can actually keep them, you know, by teaching our children what tricky behaviours instead of 
you know, watching out for a certain person, then they're looking out for those behaviours in everyone, not just strangers. hope that makes sense. So um, one of the really cool little books that I would highly recommend if you've got young children is a book called Tricky People by Crystal Hardstaff. And I haven't met or spoken to Crystal before, but I think I should really reach out to her about coming on the podcast. She's called The Gentle Counselor and she's located in Queensland. Uh, And she wrote a book called Tricky People and it goes through, um, it's about teaching your kids a new way to talk about child safety, to talk to your children about stranger danger. And it's about, you know, identifying warning signs and ensuring that they know who safe people are and what, what safe people entail and what kinds of behaviors to look out for so that they can't, so that they know that, um, you know, it doesn't matter if it's their relative or their neighbor or their coach or anyone that anyone displaying these tricky behaviors are someone to talk to talk about with your parent or your safe adult or whoever that is so that's a really cool book you know because as we know we we our job as parents is to build our kids child's resilience up our job as parents is to prepare them for the big world for for leaving our nest um sometimes I think we forget that that's our job is that we can't fix everything for our kids we can't save them from everything but we can give them tools to say help them save themselves and that is the best gift we can give them so some of the tricky behaviors that we I talked about in that sunrise presentation or that sunrise um because you know I don't know if any of you have seen me on Sunrise, but it, it's very quick, like two minutes. You barely get any time. And they warn you before you go on there um, that you need to be really quick with your words and quick with your things. Um, so, yeah, some of the tricky behaviours are, especially when it comes to stranger danger, you know, because strangers can be safe people strengths you know not all strangers are out there to hurt your children some and your child might need a stranger one day they might need help from a stranger and we don't want them to be scared of strangers per se we want them to be wary of tricky behaviors so tricky behaviors are um and unsafe people you know safe people are going to and don't mind my it's like 7 30 in the morning and my brain is ping-ponging <laughs> I've just had my first coffee, so hope you're keeping up with me. Um, you know, safe people won't ask children for help. You know, safe people won't offer lollies to a child if, you know, they will ask a parent if it's okay to give their child. You know, I'm just trying to think of some of the stuff that I know me as a safe person. You know, I ask that a parent, is it okay if I give this, you know, your daughter or son a lolly? You know, if I've got if I had my dog with me walking and a child asked, can I pat your dog? You know, I wouldn't be going up to them going, do you want to come and pat my dog? Um, you know, and oh, if, you know, having a safety word for your family, you know, a safety word which your child comes up with or your children come up with if you've got multiples, you know, that's a safety word that if anyone, if if anything happened and you, your child was needed, you needed them to trust someone, that, that that person had that safety word. And it's, you know, it's really important to have these conversations with your children, especially if they're walking to school or catching, um, catching a bus or riding a bike or whatever, you know, with their friends or on their own. You need to have these conversations before you put them in that situation. And I liken it to scenario training with my own police career 
you know, we would scenario train, and again, I might have mentioned this before, um, we would scenario train, you know, every couple of months for potential scenarios that might come up, you know, high-risk um, vehicle stops, you know, closed, closed in corridor, you know, extractions. I'm just trying to think of some of the words they used, but, like, my again, PTSD brain, the minute I left the police, some of this shit just went straight out the window. <laughs> um, you know, like active shooter situations where you have to, you know, I, I've had situations and I, you know, never had an active shooter situation, thankfully. But, you know, I've trained in that every year. I trained in uh, clearing a room every year. I trained in, you know, tasering people every year and all sorts of situations. So this is what we need to ensure our children have the tools to enable them to know when someone's acting a bit suspicious uh, so that they know to be wary and to speak up. Um, We also, I also recommend, you know, telling your children that it's okay to say no. It's okay to say no to adults. They don't ever have to do anything that an adult tells them to and give them explicit con- um, consent to do that because we've also got some unwritten rules that our children are need to be, uh, you know, need to be seen and not heard, listen to your elders, be good for your teacher, be good for your daycare worker, don't play up, um, you know, and that that those little unwritten rules or those little subliminal conversations and messages for a child that isn't confident and for a child that takes that seriously and literally they might not think that they can say no and you know we need them to know that they can say no and that an adult should respect that no so that's another thing that I suggest um so many things uh and maybe I should do a a full podcast on this but I wanted to move on to some of the other stuff that's happened whilst I was away so whilst I was in Darwin, so I was up there to talk about child sexual abuse and, and online child exploitation to a room full of nurses, child health nurses or child nurse youth nurses that work in hospitals and in communities. And they're seeing this stuff all the time. They're seeing our children present with, you know, signs of child sexual abuse, maybe un, hasn't been, you know, shared or disclosed to anyone yet. Maybe it has been disclosed, but their child's showing signs of, um, child is showing signs of depression, anxiety, and mental health stress and self harm, etc. So I, I was really grateful to be flown to Darwin to present this to my information and and what I my experiences to the cohort up there and. Whilst I was sitting in the, so sitting at the Darwin Harbour, I, I had a little walk after my presentation and I, my dad bought the paper, my dad lives in Darwin and we went and sat at the Darwin Harbour or overlooking the Darwin Harbour and read the paper because my dad's 85 and that's the highlight of his day. And whilst we were there, um, on the fifth page of the paper was an article about a man jailed for abusing girl. And it was like sad that obviously that's something that was in the paper and that's something that's happened. But it was, you know, I had something to share the next day when I talked about child sexual abuse. But I just wanted to share with you that. And then a few pages in, there was another article um, that was about 
the prevalence of child abuse victims often die earlier. So this one says more than one in four Australians have experienced child sexual abuse. So that is 28.5% of Australians. So every one in four, maybe someone listening to this podcast, you're one in those four. And um, I hope that you know that um, what happened to you was not okay. You never deserved it. And you you don't owe anyone anything for what happened to you. So please remember that. But also please remember you deserve to heal and you need you deserve to to survive this healthy, healthy and whole. And I hope that you're um, if you're not there yet, you're working towards it. Because the sad thing about um, victims of child sexual abuse is that those victims are at, at a high chance of premature death, according to the Swinburne University of Technology. Researchers found that all-cause mortal- all cause mortality rate in middle age was 8.25 times higher for people sexually abused as children than the general population. So if as a victim of child sexual abuse or a survivor of child sexual abuse, you're 8.25 times higher to uh, die in middle age than someone who hasn't. So that is horrendous. That's like I get so frustrated with the fact that I'm still having these conversations 14 years later that, you know, it's bad enough that children and, and people have to survive child sexual abuse and the horrific, horrific time it takes to survive, to heal from that. But you also have a higher risk of um, mortality, of death. And um, for internal causes such as cancers, circulatory and respiratory diseases, the rate was 5.9 times higher. And for external causes such as suicide, accidents and assault, it was 12.6 times higher. You know, by be, being a victim of child sexual abuse, which you never chose or or children don't choose to be abused, it was never in your hands. You didn't have a choice or control over the situation. It was done to you. You have a much higher chance of, of dying. And, and we know from the Australian Child Maltreatment Study that, um, you know, that there's a higher prevalence of addiction, you know, substance abuse, suicide, self-harm and all of those things because of child sexual abuse, which you never chose. So I want you to know that um, I want you to know that you deserve better. You deserve better. And I want you to give yourself permission to go and seek better. Don't take what was done to you as a sentence, even though it is, it's a life sentence, but don't take that don't take that standing there laying down like stand up and fight because you deserve better you deserve to have a full healthy happy life so please if if anyone listening is a survivor please do all you can to fight because they didn't deserve they you didn't deserve it and they don't deserve to give you know leave you with that life sentence anyway so that was one of the things that really got me upset and I'm a little still upset about it um so that leads me to this week. Um, like I said, hectic couple of weeks. Had a lot of shit going on personally with my family. Our family's fun. I've got a very, for the most part, functional. But then when the wheels fall off, everyone's fucking having a um, shit show. It's like a fucking the wheels fall off and it's dysfunctional as fuck. <laughs> Mind my language, but it, that's exactly what happens. Like everyone's got this mask on, pretending. 
I don't I don't pretend much though just FYI if you if you know me in person or if you've ever had a conversation with me I I have very zero filter very little filters because I just can't I can't pretend and um yeah it gets me in trouble with my family because I I say what I think and I'm I don't tolerate shit I don't tolerate fools it's only because of the police like prior to the police I was a people pleaser I was I was really worried about upsetting my family I was really worried it comes from um, a childhood full of like um, emotional and psychological and physical abuse um, and, and even though it came from my dad and my mom I you know I love them and and um, and what's the word I'm looking for I forgive them because you know like I'm learning in my own parenting journey that a lot of what we do with our kids and what our parents did with us is is learned you know we don't realize subconsciously that we learned a lot of this shit and if we don't do the work um, which I'm finding right now I haven't done enough work around my own triggers and my own trauma but if we don't do the work then the minute our children um you know present something that triggers us or they get to an age that triggers us because of our own trauma or something happens we revert back to the the programming we have and if the programming is is your parents didn't um have very good coping skills or coping mechanisms or they they didn't they have their own trauma or they don't know how to adult properly like a lot of us in this world don't know how to adult we don't know how to regulate our systems we don't know how to regulate our emotions so yeah we a lot of us are um, going to revert back to our original programming which is what our parents did and you know my parents just did what they knew and so that's why I fully forgive for all of it because it is what it is like they would have done better if they could have done better at the time and they didn't know and and we're like the current generations of parents we're trying hard sometimes I need to remind myself that because sometimes I feel like a complete and utter fucking failure um you know but I'm the hardest critic of myself so as a parent you know I, I I spend a lot of time trying you know thinking and just trying to work out whether I'm doing my best job and I'm sure I'm doing the best job I can right now but I could do better that's how I think about this stuff but anyway getting to this week so I hosted a how to prevent your child from being groomed workshop, which I have been requested to do that online and I'm going to set one up for probably middle of November. Um, so I didn't did that workshop. I didn't have as great a response as I would have liked, but I did realise that not until <laughs> half an hour beforehand that it was school holidays, probably not a great time to do these things. So, yeah, so I, I did that workshop, had some beautiful people come and it's interesting that it's mostly women. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Mostly women come to my workshops. I don't get a, a lot of men. Um, even when I was at the conference in Darwin, there was three men in the room. And look, I'm not. I don't. I'm not um, prejudiced towards men. I would love to see more men in my workshops doing this work with me, speaking up because that's what we need to be doing. Um, not just women, but it seems like women take on the primary role of protection for their babies for their kids even though dads are you know historically 
they're meant to keep the family safe. But women take on that primary role of everything. And it's actually found that, you know, women take on the primary role of getting their kids help when they're in crisis, like, you know, taking them to psychology and getting psychology and going to doctor's appointments and stuff like that. We, we need to change that because men need to have just as much, if just as much of a role in this as women, because it's really important that we do change these stereotypes. But um yeah, so I did this did this workshop. It was it's one I'm still developing, still working on it. We'll run an online one. It was very fun. Not fun as in <laughs> fun as in what I'm talking about is not fun. But fun is in that I love being in front of people. I love being in front of groups of people. Um you know, some people public speaking is their like they would rather die, but for me, public speaking is easy. I think that's the police because I don't think I would have been able to stand in front of a room of 160 people like I did the other week um, and 60 people and, you know, a group of people if I hadn't have done the police. So I've got to thank them for that. Uh, but, yeah, it's one of the, going back to this man jailed for abusing Chuck girl. So married father groomed 11-year-old girl to normalise sexual issues. So this article points out how some very key grooming um, practices or or grooming techniques that I have seen over and over and over again in my experience. So I just wanted to share it with you guys. So a married father of three who plied preteen girls with vodka cruises and told them pop rocks are for blowjobs before sexually abusing one of them while his wife was at church has been jailed for six years. Now, I think having these girls were 11, I think having sex with an 11-year-old deserves more like more of a sentence than that just side note um unfortunately you know if you listen to Imogen's podcast last week podcast interview she you know her abuser who abused her for over 10 years longer than 10 years only got five years and was out in three so the sentencing's a complete and fucking fucking joke as we know again sorry guys I'm like fired up I'm gonna swear can't help it Yes, I can, but I don't want to. You guys are getting the real me. Um, the 31-year-old who cannot be named pleaded guilty to grooming the 11-year-olds and having sex with one of them whilst they were living together at a top-end home. This is in Darwin. The Supreme Court was told the man would often take the girls out for drives late at night while his wife and children were sleeping at times, talking to them about sex. So such a such a grooming tactic. tactic. It goes into more um, detail in a minute, but, you know, um finding and this is something you'll learn in my workshop finding time to be alone with children behind closed doors or without other adults around that's such an unsafe um, behavior or a tricky behavior so just so you know um the man something just justice john burns described as a process of normalizing sexual issues with them it's not sexual issues Normal normalizing sexual uh, issues is not the right word. I'll have to think on that one. The victims would sometimes shower naked together and on occasions the man pushed the door open to stare at them, once making a joke about setting up a camera in the shower. So he made the girls shower together and then walked in on them. After one of the girls moved interstate, the court was told the man continued to spend significant time with the other victim, including regularly regularly sleeping 
in the same bedroom and bed or in the lounge room with her. Now, as a, as a, as the wife, do you think? Not that I'm vic- not his wife is a victim as well. I would be like my spidey senses red flags would be going up on this one there were two instances where the man took the girl to stay at the ridges hotel in palmerston and she woke to him touching her inappropriately you told her that she talks to a lot of boys and that sex stuff was going to happen eventually and that she will end up doing stuff with a boy so she should do it with you um i'm sure he was very manipulative in that he was trying to get the girl to want to have sex with him so he was you know planting those seeds and making her feel like it was just the next thing to do you told the victim that you were her friend and that she should she could talk to you about anything and she should not be scared of you as you are the only person who really cares about her another grooming tactic at one point the man entered a room where the girl then 13 was lying on a bed and sexually assaulted her the victim said nothing but was scared after a period of time she pushed at you and told you to stop just as burns said You asked the victim if she was okay and told her that she should not feel scared. You said that if you wanted to hurt her, you would have stopped when she asked you to. You would not have stopped. Sorry. Uh, Justice Burns said the man's difficult childhood went some way to reduce the moral culpability, but you you knew what you were doing was wrong. (sighs) I don't know if anyone's seen on my Instagram um, Harry James. Harry James is a man who was sexually abused by his stepmother, which resulted in a child, which resulted in um, her running away and taking the child overseas. And he was groomed and abused as a 14, 15-year-old boy. And um, anyway, Harry and a few other cohorts have joined forces to take out the, because, you know, we've just seen it with Mila Kunis and, and Ashton Kutcher, where they gave, I can't even think of his name because I don't didn't know who he was as an actor, Danny Masterson. They have given him a, um, what's it called, a character reference. How has that blown up in their face? We have this happen every day in every court, in every child sexual abuse case. We have people stand up in court and say, he's a good bloke. Or they are a good bloke person and they haven't done it to me and, you know, they shouldn't get as much of a sentence, blah, 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 which is a load of shit, right? I know that I have seen families of people, families like dads, grandfathers, uncles, you know, families, and, and in the rare case a female, uh, abuse children, they, they could have their own children and then go on to abuse their grandchildren. They could have um, they could have never touched another child, but they ch- touched their own children. You know, like there is no hard and fast rule when it comes to sexual abuse or child sexual abuse. For some reason, some things are in their mind, some things are inappropriate. They don't want to go there. But then in, in, in the other breath, it's okay with this child. And I've seen that in my work. So... You know, character references are a load of shit and quite frankly I think, you know, yep, okay, you've had a hard upbringing but that doesn't excuse your behaviour and it shouldn't reduce your sentence, shouldn't. That's because the victim and survivor has a life sentence and they have to live with that for the rest of their life. Off my soapbox. Um, 
Each offence was, was premeditated and involved a degree of planning and each of the offences involved an egregious breach of trust. I'm going to Google that word because I don't actually know what that means. Victim impact statements from the girls described the ongoing devastating effects of the offending. The man pleaded guilty to procuring a child to perform an indecent act, two counts of performing an act of gross indecency upon a child without consent and sexual intercourse with a child under the age of 16. Those charges are different to what we would have charged them in Western Australia or anywhere else. Like I don't know what their um, penalties are or anything like that. But, yeah, so that was in the paper and, you know, that was a very good instance of grooming behaviours. This person was working very hard in the background. Um, he was always going to get caught. Um, in my, my opinion, he was always going to be caught because he he didn't, wasn't very good at what he was doing. But getting back to how to prevent your grooming workshop and, and potential webinar or webinar coming up, it's going to happen. Um, I talk about that and more. So I talk about how to talk to your kids about this stuff and, and what you need to know in regards to this. So um, that's coming up in November. I haven't got a date yet. Uh, if you've got any thoughts on, you know, a, the best day time, let me know because I'm always up for some advice. And lastly, lastly, what's happened this week? Oh, I was on the podcast, um, <laughs> uh, caution, consider before consuming. So I had a moment there, brain fart. Yeah, so Consider Before You Consume. Consuming is a podcast done by Fight the New Drug. Fight the New Drug is a not-for-profit in the US who is about education and around the effects of pornography. Um, now, they reached out to me for the podcast, which was really cool. I, lo I, I love that people are asking. And if anyone who, if you've got any suggestions of a podcast that you think I could go on, please send that through. I'd love that. But Fight the New Drug had me, uh, they did the interview months ago, so it's funny that it's just come up now. But, yeah, Consider Before Consuming, sorry. Consider Before Consuming is the podcast name. And I spoke about, you know, my experiences with child, uh, you know, in, in the police and what I saw. So just a brief explanation of some of the stuff I talked about was when I first joined the police in 2010, and I became a specialist child interviewer, we saw children who were displaying harmful sexualized behaviours. Now, harmful sexualized behaviours, I talk about it in my book, I talk about it, um, and I might get someone on to talk about it more in one of my podcast episodes. But harmful sexualized behaviours are when a child assaults another child, um, not necessarily without consent, but the the more it's done by force or, or by threats, et cetera, the more harmful it is, obviously, because the child, the other child's not that is involved, doesn't have a choice, control, etc. What we see is thirty to fifty percent of all child sexual abuse is by another child. So, harmful sexualized behaviors is a term that we use in regards to children harming children, because we got to remember that children harming children, they're or both children. Sometimes, it's it can be considered innocent, but we, we it's still harmful because there is potential for harm later on in life when children realize you know a lot of children you know parents grandparents used to you know justify it by kids being kids but you know what kids don't go and touch other children without if they have the knowledge education you know supervision so there is an issue there with our belief system around that stuff 
Um, but yeah, so harmful sexualized behaviors, 2010. So when I first started in the job, when a child presented with harmful sexualized behaviors, we believed that they were being sexually abused. And 90% of the time that was the case, uh, that there was some history of abuse in the background. Now in 2023, and when I was leaving the police in 2020, if we saw a child with harmful sexualized behaviors, there was and I can't tell you the percentage, but there was a high percentage of children who were exposed to pornography that were displaying harmful sexualized behaviors. They were seeing pornography and they were doing it on their younger siblings, on younger children around them. They were, um, you know, peers at school, etc. So pornography has a large space, large p- place in the presentation of harmful sexualized behaviors. They're also researching that harmful sexualized behaviors are in high prevalence of harmful sexualized behaviors. So a child harming another child in families of domestic violence, uh, families with children who haven't got their physical, emotional needs being met. And obviously still in children who have been sexually abused. Uh, So there's a lot of factors to a child harming another child like that. So I talk about that stuff as well, but in this podcast, I talk about, you know, what I saw as an, in the police. And then I also talk about, um, you know, what I've seen in the the digital safety space and what we can do as parents um, in that space. So it's a really good podcast. I think it's one of my best yet. But like I said, if you have any ideas of where else I could, where else I could go and um, do an interview and maybe approach a podcast for that, let me know because Unfortunately, my brain doesn't have as much in, um, space in it to find these people. <laughs> and, I, and you know, if you're already listening to another podcast and you like that podcast, well, maybe it's worth listening to if you're listening to me as well. And maybe it's worth approaching. So that's about me. And that's taken a long time, guys. So thank you so much. I'm always open for anyone to reach out. Please check out. Uh, I've run out of books, physical books to sign and send out. So if you need a copy of my book, you now need to go to Amazon or Audible or Spotify because it's also on audiobook. You get to listen to my the dulcet tones of my voice. Um, and you've also got, you know, I've got that next week. So next week and I'll have this recording out today. So next week on the 3rd of October, I have a device know-how. It's an interactive workshop. It's basically me talking through the settings on your child's device and helping you set them so that you can keep your help keep your kids safe. It's going to be really low key. I don't like high key, uh, low key everything for me. So yeah, it's going to be awesome. Um, And then, you know, if you want more help from there, I also have a device safety 101. It's me telling you everything I know about device safety slash everything your child is going to be facing and anything else. So that one's $67. It's actually going up at uh, at the, well, I'll leave it $67 until next week. Um, it's actually going up to $97. So yeah, so that one's coming up. That one's always available on my website. And yeah, I hope you guys are having a good time. It's been a rough year for a lot of people. We're all exhausted. We're all mentally drained. Um, but yeah, I, I'm wishing you guys all the safe safe rest of the year um and who knows when i'll be next on here and you know thank you for the help in fighting against child abuse because it needs all of us to fight thank you for listening to this podcast episode 
Education empowers children and it empowers parents and education prevents abuse. That is why I'm here and that is why you are here. So thank you. If you want any further information or support, follow me on social media, either under Christy McVie or KPAU social media accounts. I'll put the links in the show notes. You can also purchase a signed copy of my book, Operation Kids Safe, via the website at www.cape-au.com. Also on my website is a free ebook titled 10 Tips to Keep Your Kids Safe from Abuse and self-paced courses for parents to help you in your journey of child abuse prevention. Don't forget to join our free Facebook group called Operation Kids Safe Parenting Group. Please see the show notes for any extra information, links and help should you be looking for extra support. Thank you once again for giving a shit about preventing child sexual abuse. See you next time.